0: Saturday morning, and welcome to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Esterbrook, your host, on another beautiful Saturday morning. Let's face it, we've had a bunch of snow at this point, and plants are covered. You're probably looking out your window at your rhododendrons, and over the last week or ten days, you've seen them curling and then unfolding and curling and unfolding. That's very common. I just wanted to make sure everybody was okay with that. Let's talk a little bit about why rhododendrons do that. Um, First off, they basically do it to protect their leaf. And a lot of times in the spring, you'll see rhododendrons will have damage on either the leaf margins or right down the center rib. And a lot of times, the center rib damage is caused by really cold weather. When they curl their leaves, the burn only happens on that center section of the leaf because they're curling their leaves to protect from the wind and the ice and the snow and the cold temperatures. So they're kind of... Shivering almost, you might say. It's a very common thing. There's nothing we can do about it. I don't want you to get out there and try to heat up the rhododendron or do anything to make them happy. There really isn't anything. This is a natural thing they're doing. We always get a few calls this time of year saying, oh, my rhododendron's dying. You know, something's happening. It's all curled up. You're fine. Just want to put that to bed. It's the last show before New Year's. What a year it's been. It's been a phenomenal season for us at Estabrooks. We are, you know, closing tomorrow in Yarmouth for a couple months. We always close in January and February. It just is not cost-effective for us to heat the greenhouse with all the plants in it. We just don't have the traffic with all the storms and weather. And after the holidays, everybody's spent their budget. So we're wrapping up our holiday sale. You know, things are 50 off uh, all our holiday decor a bunch of other specials going on in the store so stop in and and kind of see us say hi it's our last last hurrah for 2013 i'm heading out to key west tomorrow For a lovely little vacation with my wife and and my family. My in-laws have a house down in Florida. Uh, We're going to visit some friends down in Key West that have just transferred there. They're in the Coast Guard. So we're going to visit them for New Year's and then going up to my wife Sue's family's house up in uh, Florida. And my parents are flying in also. So it's going to be a really fun time for family. Get away, kind of recharge, and then get going. But there are things going on in the greenhouse primrose are started like we've talked in past weeks all our easter lilies are emerging and starting to look really nice obviously not flowering yet but the green growth is coming up they're starting to emerge they're doing their thing and of course we're starting to stick cuttings and sow seeds and so things are happening okay i don't want you to think that i go to key west and i sit on the beach the whole winter That's not the case. We work very hard all winter. We're cleaning the greenhouses. We're starting in on production. We're doing maintenance. You know, like I've said time and time again, we're always a season ahead. So when you're thinking it's winter, we're starting to plant for spring. And when spring arrives, we're starting to plant for summer. And when summer arrives, we're already into fall. So, you know, we're always a season ahead. So, you know, time and time again, we get questions. What do you do all winter? Well, we're always planning on spring. Spring's our busiest season. Obviously, all of you folks are coming in, you know, and today we're going to talk a little bit about the perennials I think every gardener should have in their garden, okay? We're going to skip past all the holiday hoopla and all that. We're done. Time to pack up the decorations. Time to knock it down after New Year's. Time to put the tree out at the curb, you know. It's time to start thinking about spring. But before we do that, I want to talk about one thing that I think is the most crucial thing as a gardener we can do all winter long, and that is every time we look out the window at our gardens, what do I need to do to add to winter interest? Let's face it, from November all the way to March, it's winter interest. What can we do to add to to attract birds to make better infrastructure to have better structure in the gardens. Maybe it's another shrub another evergreen for the off season. We're going to talk about perennials today but that's really in season they're gone during the winter. So it's really important to me when I look out in my landscape like right now I'm looking out in my landscape and I'm thinking you know, a really cool interesting tree would be really nice there. Or I need some sort of plant that's going to have berries on it here. Or I need this type of structure or shape in this area. I'm making those notes now so that when the heat of the season comes and I'm thinking and I come into the garden center and I've made this this kind of correlation time and time again. When you come into a garden center, it's like a candy store. We're a candy store for your eyes. What looks best right then is what you always are kind of focused on. But what we should do is have a nice little list. And I put, I'm putting mine in my phone. Many of us have smartphones now. You can create a list. I have a list in there for the garden. So when I'm wandering around the garden center, I can pull it up and say, hey, I needed this shape." in this area in my yard. And I can think about that because there may be something that's in bloom that would add a really nice contrasting flower during the summer months, but it would give me the shape in the off season. So I would kill two birds with one stone, or maybe I need an evergreen that is this shape or this size in this area for the winter months for the birds to be able to to kind of get some protection. So think ahead and really kind of plan those things out, okay? It will help with your decision-making. It also will help with the staff. So when you come in, you can talk to them about, well, I need something about six to eight feet tall. I need it to be about six feet wide. I'd like it to be evergreen. You know, I need something that's kind of frilly, not tight. Make some of those notes now, and you're going to really start to build your landscape for the off-season. And here in Maine... The off-season is about two-thirds of our season, it seems like. I mean, if you think about it, from November all the way to March, okay, we have to look outside. It's beautiful with snow and ice, but to have those structures with snow and ice, it's a lot, a lot nicer. And on top of that, our season is so short during the growing season. Yes, we get beautiful blossoms and we have wonderful color and we have fall foliage and, you know, the spring emergence and everything's greening up. All those things are wonderful, but many times we don't think of winter. Now, a lot of times you may be a snowbird where you're here during the summer, that's probably not as crucial for you, though, think about it. If you were going to go ahead and put your house on the market in the off season when you're not there. So there's another reason why, say you're a snowbird, and I assume everybody understands what a snowbird is. Snowbird somebody who summers here and then goes south for the winter. Now, it's tough to sell a home in Maine in the winter months. Many people don't do it, but you might have that opportunity if you make a cool landscape. That looks wonderful in the summer but is really cool in the winter you might be able to put your your home on the market during the winter while you're gone and if it sells it sells if it doesn't well you come back and you spend more time in maine how could it be wrong but today we're going to talk a little bit about the perennials that i find every garden should have and we're going to kind of talk broad spectrums here because there's so many varieties under these genus that I'm going to kind of talk broad because now with all the varieties you can go to our website esterbrooksonline.com and look at all the different varieties underneath some of these genus okay there's so many different species it it's just amazing the variety list that we've had and continues to grow so the first plant I want to talk about is catmint or nepeta and this is a plant that should be a backbone and all of these plants i'm going to talk about are backbone plants in amongst them you leave areas for new varieties different textural type plants and also some annuals so you can change your garden but every garden if you use the list we're going to talk about today basically you will have a good broad-based always come up always look good type of planting Okay. Now, there's some fringe plants in there that I'll throw at you that have a few problems, but I think have value for those problems. So, Catmint is one of my favorites. And the reason being is every time the plant goes by, you cut it back and it reblooms. So, you can make sure you have color coming all the time. Has a beautiful, small, little blue, purple flower. Comes also in white. But there are great new dwarf varieties, and there are also the old standby like silk six hills giant, nice big tall varieties. We started selling a variety called little Trudy this year it 's a dwarf little variety, same habit, same shape, same flower, just in a more compact form there's a new one coming out, kit Kat. there's all kinds of new varieties in this genus that I think are worth taking a look at now with this particular plant my suggestion is you have it in different areas in the garden and you don't cut it back all at once so I actually shear some of my cat mint even before it's blooming first thing in the year and the reason being is I want to start a rotation of when I'm cutting back this throughout the year now somebody some folks might think well geez that's kind of that's not right. You know, why wouldn't you enjoy the first bloom? But what I want to do is I want to stage this plant throughout my garden so that it's not all blooming at the same time and I don't have it all cut back at the same time. So, one clump in one area I will shear back before it's in bloom. Another I might w- wait another week or 10 days and I might prune that back. And then another group I might prune back another week or 10 days after that. And what will happen is I'll start to have a rotation of this plant throughout my go- yard that. One week, it's in bloom here, and then it goes by, and I shear it back. The next week, it's in bloom over here, and so my garden starts to revolve. It starts, The color starts to move around, so one week, you might have an area that's really strong over here, and then the following week or 10 days or two weeks, it's strong over here. The nice part about that is your garden's always changing, so when you come into your yard or neighbors come over, things always look different. In many of these plants, you can do some of that. Coryopsis would be another one, and we'll talk more about that. Another good standby for me are shasta daisies. Old fashioned look, wonderful for cut flowers. Great to go pick, kind of a little bouquet. You know, put them in a vase if you're having people over. Some of the new varieties are more reblooming types. You know, Daisy May is one that will reflower a bit. Also, banana cream will. So you have some of those, but this is a nice old standby. Everything from creamy yellows all the way to whites. Some have double rippled blossoms. One's called crazy daisy. Again, check our website out for all the different varieties because there's a lot of varieties of some of these. But good old standby. Shasta daisies are a shorter-lived perennial, though. They like to be divided periodically. They will die out if you don't divide them. If your Shasta daisies are dead in the center, that means you need to divide them. But a good old standby, been around forever. Nice white flowers to creamy yellow. I particularly like them as a cut, too, like I said. So multiple use, we like that. Lupin. A beautiful standby. The state of Maine has really, in my opinion, done a really nice job of creating some natural stands of lupin along our highways. They're really starting to take shape. This is some work that they've been doing for a long, long time. And you can see some of these hillsides going up and down 295 and 95, some of these different areas that have really kind of taken hold. And they're really starting to kind of produce more and more every year. Now, lupin is one of those elevator plants, like I like to call. They look beautiful in the spring, and then they disappear in the summer and many times customers think they're dead in the summer months they just go dormant when we get warm temperatures we find in our in the Scarborough and Kennebunk market where our stores are down there people tend not to buy lupin because they feel like they they die out on them and the reason being is when they go dormant people stop watering them lupin like to be moist now in Kennebunk and in Scarborough we have a lot of sandy well-drained soils And lupin like a moist soil. And so that sandy soil dries out so much in the summer months after they've gone dormant, they kind of waste away. And that's why they don't come back. So pick an area that's closer to a drainage area, an area that may get a little bit more moisture in the spring months and in the fall months. And, you know, mark the clumps so you can do a little extra watering in the summer months. Enrich your soil really well okay, with some compost, but not overdo it. They do not like heavy feed. So this is not a plant I would recommend you put compost around every year. It's one that likes to be left alone. It has a tap root. So they're very tough to move. And it's also tough to self sow the seed. Okay, to maybe pick seed pods and then, you know, kind of throw them out there. It's best if you get some plants started in your yard and then you move the seed around afterwards. Great for that low-lying kind of moist area. The The seed needs to soak in water and swell and break its outer coating in order for it to germinate. So that water in the spring is really important for them to explode and then the seed will germinate and go into the soil. If it doesn't have enough moisture, if it's in a dry area, that will be one of the reasons why it doesn't self move. Okay? The other thing is making sure the seed pods are really nice and dry when you go to self sow them. Okay? So we're going to come back and talk more about all the top perennials I think you should have in your garden. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk, WLOB.
1: We know you have lots of choices when buying plants and garden supplies.
0: Wouldn't you rather come to someone at your local garden center where you know us and we know you? Someone who knows Maine's soil, Maine's climate, and knows what plants will thrive here. Someone who will make sure you find what you're looking for here or at one of our other independent garden centers. We support each other and work together to satisfy you. Wouldn't you rather come to your local garden
1: center? We're the independent garden centers of Maine at maineigc.com. The drifting scent of balsam in the air can mean only one thing. It's Christmas time at Estabrooks in Yarmouth. Transform your house into a home for the holidays with fresh greens, bright red winter berries, glistening ribbon, rustic pine cones, and twinkling lights. No time to decorate? Choose from a wide selection of handsomely decorated wreaths and holiday baskets or have an expert at the Holiday Design Center personalize a special wreath for your door. The holidays are here. Make them special with a little help from Estabrooks. To learn more, visit EstabrooksOnline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of the holidays.
0: Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, and we're talking perennials today. The top perennials I feel you should have in your garden. Now, everybody will have their different choices. And this is a a fairly short list. Um, There's so many varieties. There's so many genus. And everybody has their favorites. These are tried and true over the twenty-five plus years I've been in this industry. That I find year in and year out should be a staple in the garden. And will I catch all of them? No, there there are probably more than what I have on this list. But we've been talking about lupin and Shasta daisies and catmint. Campanula is another one. Okay, campanula come in small varieties like the clip series, blue clips, white clips. Um, there's a light blue one also, or they come in taller varieties and many different genus and species within this. Now, a lot of these are nice because they can be either ground covers kind of in the front of the border. They self sew and kind of move around, but non invasive. We have everything like Sarastro, which is a variety that has a teacup shaped flowers, you know, or many, many different varieties. There's biennial types. But really cool, interesting colors. Everything from whites, blues, lavenders, to even purples. And again, an easy one you can cut back. They rebound. They flower again. Really easy plants. And that's the key. They come back tried and true, year in and year out. The other that goes along hand-in-hand with these, I think, are dianthus. Now there's been a tremendous amount of varieties of Dianthus that have come on to the market in the last four or five years. But Dianthus are great because they, a lot of the new varieties are rebloomers, but they're low, they're spreading, they hold up time and time again. They're an old fashioned plant that just provides really nice color. The other thing about Dianthus, the foliage. After they're done blooming through the summer months with the blue and green foliage that kind of looks almost like little grass grass clumps, but the nice part is they start to rebloom again a lot of times late summer, not a lot of blooms but just a few, also known as garden pinks, but there are so many varieties, you know the old fashioned um, you know varieties that are taller, like Indian carpet is a great one, you know. They also can be used as a cut flower and will continue to throw blossoms. Once dianthus go by and you see all the little seed pods on them, shear all the seed off, and that beautiful green and, and blue foliage will come up and look great all summer. So a lot of positives, nice little ground cover, really easy, easy plants. The biggest problem I find with dianthus is folks bury them too deep or put too much bark mulch around dianthus. They like to creep along the ground. They don't like moisture in around the crown. So when you plant dianthus, plant them about half inch too high and then mulch up to them. And then when you mulch each year, leave the mulch away from dianthus. Okay? Keep it back quite a ways. Comes in everything from pinks to whites to bicolors, reds, lavenders, just so many varieties. There's even some new yellow varieties, although I have found the yellow varieties are not as hardy. They tend not to hold up as well. Some of the new varieties, I'm still questioning the hardiness of some of them. They're somewhat tender. Some are zone six, but if you use them kind of like an annual, they just give you some really, really nice, Foliage texture and some beautiful flowers. Let's talk about another one, Baptisia. We're going to talk about that. It's a false indigo. Now we have them in yellow, blue, purple, bicolors. Baptisia is a plant that I think is underused. It's tall, three to four feet tall, gets beautiful big spikes on it. The foliage, folks, is as nice as peonies all summer long, okay? The foliage, to me, is one of the stellar points to the plant. The bloom time's fairly long, two to three weeks. But to me, the big thing about Baptisia is the foliage looks good all summer. So you have a plant that stands upright. It looks good, minimal staking needed. And then all summer long, you've got this bluish gray foliage that's in the plant. Some of the new varieties, like the yellows, I think lemon meringue is one that I think is just a phenomenal variety. Really gives a punch of color, but I like the old straight blue Baptisia. It's really pretty. It's a pretty blue, but we carry a whole host of varieties. Okay. Baptisia, to me, is that plant that always looks good. Okay. And with the foliage looking so nice and the different colors of purples and yellows and it's one that should be used in every single garden now when you come into the garden center okay what there's a little bit of a problem because a lot of times baptisia doesn't bloom terribly well in the pot and it has a short bloom time in the pot so many times customers miss it okay To me this is one of those staple plants every garden should have one and with the different colors you can have and and with the different colors what I want to say is a lot of times they bloom at a little bit different time so you won't have all of them but you could have a yellow in one garden a blue in another one and a dark purple in another so it's really cool you can use the same plant but have a different color same great foliage and really hold up nicely. So. The next plant I want to talk about are peonies. Okay, this is a staple plant here in Maine. Long-lived, holds up well. Problems I would see are there's two or three things that I find peonies we have trouble with. Number one, staking. It's a plant you have to really focus on and make sure that you really spend the time and energy to get your peony hoops out there every spring. So it's one of those things you put on the list every single spring. You go out, you're mulching, you're cleaning, and as soon as you clean up and you see the peonies starting to emerge, you put the cages on. Because if you wait too long, it always happens. The big buds come up and then they flop. The other problem with peonies are we've had some fungal problems on peonies on blighting off the flower buds. And more and more people are having trouble with this because of a couple reasons, I believe. Number one, a lot of customers are top dressing all their gardens with compost. Year in and year out. To me, this is good and bad. It's a catch-22. If you have poor soil, I think it's a great thing. Until you get the soil to a certain point, and then I, I recommend you stop. Stop. But what I find is by adding all this organic matter on top, what we're doing is we're changing the depth of peonies. And with peonies, if their depth is wrong in the soil when you plant them, they stop blooming. So if they're buried too deep or too high, they stop blooming. And on more often than not, people think that it's actually a fungus problem. But what I'm finding is too many people are putting too much bark mulch over the top of them and too much compost over the top of them and it's changing the depth of them and what happens is when that happens the buds don't form down in the crown of the plant and so a lot of times what we have to do is lift the the clumps raise them up again re kind of plant them and you find everything starts to come together again peonies are one of those that are great for cut flowers And they have wonderful foliage all summer long. So again, we can't have everything with perennials in bloom all at once. And we can't have everything looking good all the time. But I like to look for plants that have great foliage also. Give me a great flower for a short period of time. But then after that, can hold up and stand up the rigors of the rest of the season. Can hold up and show really, really, really good stance all summer long, and peonies do that for me. Plus, I love the longevity of life. And last but not least, I love the tree peonies. These are not your typical peonies that you cut back to the ground every year. Tree peonies, or also ito peonies, which are a cross between our regular peonies and tree peonies, called interspecific hybrids. I know that's a whole lot of technical stuff. But these are really cool varieties. They're more expensive. But the one thing about the tree peonies I like is they're really a woody shrub. So you get that winter interest factor. They create this little vase-shaped sub-shrub plant that gets big, beautiful flowers, twice as big as your old-fashioned peonies. They don't require any staking. I would not use these as cut flowers, but tree peonies are absolutely beautiful, wonderful plants. So peonies are a staple everyone should have. They come in a wide range of varieties and colors. Many, many times, if you move into a home, you have old-fashioned varieties. We can't even name all the varieties that are out there. They've been hybridized so much. And another plant is yarrow or Achillea, Great plant to mix in with those shasta daisies and other plants for cuts. A real nice staple plant. The new varieties I love. Now, yarrow really got a bad, bad name for itself because it can spread quite aggressively. Now, this is because it really seeds in well. But if you prune off the flowers as they go by... Yarrows, many of the varieties we carry now will rebloom and they'll throw two or three or four sets of flowers. Now, the more you prune it back, the shorter the flowers end up being throughout the summer months. But the strawberry seduction and the seduction series are really, really, really great at reblooming. And to me, I find the foliage is really nice and dark green. But I can't get past moonshine. I, everybody knows I love yellow. Yellow is a big color for me. I just like it. And Moonshine to me is an old-fashioned variety, blooms very well, has beautiful silver foliage, and is one that I think every garden should have. Now, the Seduction series are kind of making me kind of think a little bit differently, a little bit outside the box. Some of the pinks, some of the lavenders, you know, Strawberry Seduction I really find is a really nice, nice variety But yarros, for a long time, have really kind of gone on the back burner. And now they're coming back. Another one that's really, really great is Paparika. It's kind of an orange color. Orange-red. Really nice, nice variety. And when you prune that plant back and it comes back in the summer months with that hot, orangey-red flower, it really kind of dials right in. But in the spring, when it gets its first bloom, there's not a, a lot of plants that really get that color at that time of year. In the summer months, we've got more. We've got the coneflowers. you have got all, the, all these other things that will give us some orange-reds. But in the spring, that's one that's really a nice, nice accent. The wonderful thing about yarrow you can chop them back any time during the season. If they look awful, you just go in and you cut them back. You give them a little bit of extra water and fer- fertilizer. They green right up. They throw some more flowers. And you can do this two or three times a year. So a real standard standby. Now, again, go to our website because there's so many varieties of these genus. I can't talk about all of them. But there's all different colors, types, textures. Some of the foliages are a little bit different. But when you come into the garden center, you can, and they're all sitting on the bench, you can kind of talk to us about which ones work best and what they would complement well with what you have in the certain area you're thinking about. So, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the joy of gardening on News Talk, WLOB. Fall is in the air, leaves are changing, pumpkins turning, and fall is the best time to plant trees, shrubs, and perennials. You can buy your plants and garden supplies almost anywhere. Wouldn't you rather come to your local garden center? We're the independent garden centers of Maine, working together to ensure you, the customer, gets the best quality advice and service. Visit us at MaineIGC.com to see the closest IGC member near you, then stop by your local member garden center, where we'll help you select the best product for Maine's climate and soil. We work together to satisfy
1: you. Visit us at MaineIGC.com. For over 60 years, Wiltproof has provided the most effective protection against moisture loss in plants under water stress, and no other product comes close. Our non hazardous organic and biodegradable film is like having several layers of protection. As the outside layer of Wiltproof wears off with the weather, another layer forms. Wiltproof is the only horticulture anti-transparent that has the ability to provide this long-lasting protection. Put your trust in Wiltproof. Check out their site at wiltproof.com. That's wilt wilt-proof, com.
0: At highway speeds, the average text takes your eyes off the road for about five seconds. That's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Stop Texts, StopRex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook. Another great Saturday morning. 2014 is right around the corner. Uh, I want to wish you all a happy new year, but we're talking next year's plants already. We're starting to talk about all the things that the plants that should be staples in your garden. So we're talking perennials today. And, uh, you know, one perennial for me, I'd lump ground covers into perennials. And one that I like as a great standby is vinca, or periwinkle. To me, the foliage is nice. It comes in array of colors from light blues to dark blues to whites, purples, bicolors, all kinds of nice, nice varieties of vinca. Now, this is a plant that is a great filler. I like to put it in underneath trees. We have a beautiful garden we, we have in Yarmouth that has a wonderful Japanese maple. It has a beautiful Chamaecyparis, some Annabelle hydrangea, some Wajelia. And then as a ground cover to fill it all in, we've got Vinca Ralph Sugart. Now, this variety, Vinca, it has a variegated foliage and a beautiful periwinkle blue flower in the spring. So in the spring, you get these nice red leaves coming out from the Japanese maple. And I believe the variety is red dragon that we have there with the blue flower and the white creamy edge of the vinca. And then you've got the dark of the camisiparous right behind it. And you've got a beautiful pink flowering cherry blooming in the garden. And at that point in the season, it's just like pop it's absolutely amazing. And then later on in the summer, you've got the red Japanese maple with Annabelle hydrangea, these big white flowers with the green foliage of the cypress, and then the beautiful foliage of the of the weeping cherry. Or actually, it's an upright cherry, autumnalis. But it, and then the creamy edge to that vinca holds up even at that time of year. It just ties it together. The foliage looks good all summer long. But that beautiful flower in the spring with the foliage all summer, to me, is a really nice accent. The other thing is it lightens up an area in a shady spot. Now, your old-fashioned Vinca has green foliage, and I love that, too, because it's glossy, it's green. I like it in smaller clumps. I don't like it in big masses. But to me, to kind of put in with hosta, astilbe, all these other types of shade plants, it really fills in. In order for your vinca to do well, it needs a rich organic soil to start. It will compete with roots. It will do very well long term. But in order to get it established and to root in, you really need need good organic soil. So don't think you're going to take it out in the woods, plop it in the woods, and it's just going to do its thing. It's probably not going to happen. It needs some good soil to start. After that, it will compete with big trees. It will do its job, and it will mul- multiply and divide. And it's always nice when it pokes up through leaves that are out in the out in the wood line, and all of a sudden in the spring, boom, you've got these blue flowers from a distance that really show up in nice little masses. So really great accent to any garden. Easy, low maintenance, no cutting back, no need to do anything to it. It's just one of those easy plants. Another great standby is coneflower. And you notice I didn't say purple coneflower. Because now, there's so many more colors. Again, visit our website, esterbrooksonline.com to see all the varieties. And we don't carry all the varieties, folks. But there's yellows now. There's dark purples. There's reds. There's oranges, there's whites, there's purples, there's bicolors, there's doubles, there's spoon-shaped. <laughs> there's uh, there's some that look like an ice cream cone. It's absolutely amazing what you can do with a lot of these varieties. The unfortunate thing with flowers, to me, is that they all bloom basically in the same time frame. The hybridizers really haven't done a good job of diversifying the bloom time due to the fact they're a warm season plant. So we have a few varieties that are moving towards the early stage, but then we have a lot that also bloom later. The newer varieties are a lot of times re-bloomers. Okay. The thing that I find about coneflowers is that some of the new varieties are not terribly reliable as of yet. So we're a little bit cautious about adding new varieties until we get a year or so in. I wanna see the reaction. I wanna see how they're wintering over. We've kind of been taken by so many varieties that have done fair for our customers here in Maine. One recommendation is on the newer varieties, the ones that bloom very well, And some of the varieties I'm talking about are the Sunrise series, also the Sombrero series, and a few of the other new series, especially the darker colors. It's like the oranges and the reds and the yellows too. What I find is that you need to take all the flowers off of them the first year. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to bulk up that plant. Now, when you come into the garden center, you'll probably buy them in bloom because we want to show you the flowers. But what I recommend is when you get them home is take those flower buds off and use them in a little bud vase or whatnot. I want you to keep them in foliage the whole summer long. And I know that kind of is is not what we all like to do, but... I find that what that does is it builds the root system in the crown of the plant all summer long. And it tends to bulk them up enough where they winter over much better. Now, some of our growers are doing that for us before we get them on some of these varieties now. When I go to the nurseries, I'll see their production. And in their production, what they're doing is they're going through the crop and they're taking off the first four or five sets of flower buds. And they're bulking up that plant to have more energy in the root system. So these new varieties throw flowers very, very quickly in the crop cycle. And a lot of times what will happen is they'll come up, they'll set a flower, and they'll start to bloom. Well, they're expending so much energy, they're not putting it into their root system. They're not actually bulking up, what I would call bulking up. If you don't have good roots on coneflowers, you will never have good wintering capacity. The other thing I find with these varieties, if you self sow a lot of these varieties that are new, they don't come up true to name. They don't come up back a red or an orange or whatnot. They come back as a purple or a different color. So don't think you can self sow a lot of these new varieties. Now, if you're looking for a coneflower that you're going to put out in a field and you're going to self sow, go with an old fashioned variety like Magnus, Prairie Sun. Um, Prairie Sky, one one of those varieties that are old-fashioned, self-sow, more standard variety, they tend to be grown from seed, and they hold better true to name. The next plant is Phlox. Now... A lot of people kind of say, well, you really want to add flocks to your garden. They have powdery mildew and, you know, the creeping flocks don't look very good after they're done blooming. To me, it's an accent plant. And you're very much right. On this plant, this is one of those ones when I started the show, I said there's going to be some that maybe have some problems. But to me, flocks are wonderful, but they need to be more a standalone plant. They need to have their own space to do their thing. So let's talk creeping flocks first. Creeping flocks look wonderful in the spring. After that, in the summer, they look awful. I like to see them from a large distance away so that after they're done blooming, they're a plant that kind of fades into the landscape. So you see them from a distance. They have big, big, big color early in the spring, and then they just fade into the background, and everything else comes up, and it looks great around them. Now, tall flocks, we've got some new varieties that are more powdery mildew resistant. And anytime you use that resistant, it's like using deer resistant. What does that really mean? It means that they possibly could have this, that, or the other. Now, tall flocks, I like the volcano flocks. We sell a lot of them. They're a little shorter, they don't require staking, and they're re blooming. The one thing about flocks you need to do is give them enough room and enough airflow around them. So I like to put low ground covers around them. Don't mix a lot of other tall perennials with them. There's beautiful colors, all pinks, whites, lavenders, reds, you know, bicolors, all these different varieties. There's doubles. There's a blue. Blue Paradise is a really cool variety. That new stem is blue, and then the flower comes out a beautiful blue. But they're accent plants. They wouldn't be, you know, have one here, one there. They're also wonderful for cut flowers in the summer. So make sure you add a few in, but I wouldn't go overboard. And by using them as a cut flower and taking a few of those stalks out, you actually open that airflow up a little bit better. Now, some of the old-fashioned varieties, we do need to stake them, okay? So don't be fooled by all the varieties. All the varieties, some of them you will need to stake and you will need to keep them tight. But again, visit our website, estabrooksonline.com, to take a look at all the different varieties. I love our website. It's a great resource. There's a million varieties on there. Now, not all the varieties are available at all times. If there are specific things you want, contact us if we're not growing them, we can custom order them for you throughout the winter months. Make sure we get them in on our spring orders. Because there's so many varieties, and some of them we carry year one year and not the next. It depends on whether we can buy liners. There's a lot of variables in what we can and can't get on a yearly basis. But we keep a lot of those things on there to kind of show you. And a lot of times we can tell you, oh, this is a better sub for that variety. You know, this is a newer updated variety or whatnot. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk, WLOB.
1: For over 60 years, Wiltproof has provided the most effective protection against moisture loss in plants under water stress, and no other product comes close. Our non hazardous organic and biodegradable film is like having several layers of protection. As the outside layer of Wiltproof wears off with the weather, another layer forms. Wiltproof is the only horticulture anti-transparent that has the ability to provide this long-lasting protection. Put your trust in Wiltproof. Check out their site at wiltproof.com. That's wilt-proof, P-R-U-F.com.
0: Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening. Ah, another Saturday morning. The end of the year. Happy New Year to all of you. I'm going to be sitting on a beach in Key West, but we're talking perennials today. And we've got just a few minutes left in the show, you know, today, but I want to run down a few more kind of list of plants that I would check out on our website because we're not going to get to everything today. The first one is sedum, okay? Old standby, but some really cool, neat varieties that are new. Some great new variegated varieties that I find are actually really stable and stay variegated. But the quick tip on sedum is it always looks good. Doesn't matter, spring, summer, fall, it always looks good. Great foliage plant for all summer. And then you've rewarded late summer with beautiful flowers, whether it be white, pink, red, red whether it's a ground cover or more upright varieties they always look good and a plant that's easily kept intact by pruning back periodically throughout the season if needed if the plant flops in july no problem shear it back it'll bounce back a little fertilizer around it it'll bounce back they come in nice foliages variegated dark purple nice green you know red foliages all kinds of different foliage And we can use them as a beautiful ground cover or as a standalone plant. Obviously, Autumn Joy has been around forever. I personally like Autumn Fire better. It's a newer variety. Seems to hold up better. Emperor One has been around forever. I find that flops. There's a new one called Maestro. That's a little better variety. So there are improvements in some of these that are better and better and better. But sedum is one that's a great accent. Always looks good. If you have that dry spot that you have a tough time getting to water, it's a great plant. It's a succulent, so it holds up very, very well. Daylilies. Okay, we're not going to talk too much about daylilies. There's a million varieties. They should be a standard in every garden. Again, new rebooming varieties are one that I would gravitate towards, like Stephanie Returns. We talked a lot about that early in the spring. There are so many new re-blooming varieties in so many different colors, in so many bicolors, all kinds of wonderful, wonderful, wonderful shapes and tall, short, intermediate size, early, mid, and late blooming. Daylilies are something that you do want to kind of focus in on as a staple and a backbone of your plant. Okay, all your planting should be, there should be some daylilies in there. Now, the way we get away from repetitious is by the different varieties. This is one I would recommend a large variety list. Because they're low-maintenance, but you get so many different colors and textures. And always focus in on early, mid-season, and late. You will have six to eight weeks of bloom time if you focus on early, mid-season, and late varieties. Black-eyed Susans are another one, okay? All kinds of new varieties. Everybody knows you know, those beautiful orange flowers. Everything from six-foot tall all the way down to 8 to 10 inches tall now. All kinds of varieties. Black Eyed Susan's been around forever. Rudbeckia, The new dwarf ones I think are really cool because a lot of these new small yards we have, we don't have the area to kind of let them go like the old-fashioned types. So the new varieties like Pot of Gold, Little Muffin in a Garden with all those beautiful little flowers all over it. I love it. Hosta and Astilbe. Standard for shade. Some of the new varieties take a little more sun. So take a look at the website. A whole host of new varieties on there. We added a lot of varieties last year, and we're going to have a lot of those same varieties next year. They they sold very well, and they certainly are really, really cool and interesting different varieties. Ferns, underused to me. Ferns are something that we should use as a texture to make everything else look good. I love painted ferns, but I also love some of the new varieties that we've got coming out. They have new red growth. There's all kinds of color added to ferns. So check out the fern selection. I'm not going to go into it too deep. Coriopsis is one that I think we should spend just a minute or so on. Coriopsis is a staple. Now, the new varieties and the new colors, if you're just used to your old moonbeam Coriopsis, that lemon yellow or Zegreb with that dark yellow. You gotta check out the new varieties. Mercury rising, that dark red. Tough to get a dark red in the spring. But this fills that void. We grew about eight or ten new varieties last year. All of them proved very, very well and rebloomed very well. When they went by in the pot, we sheared the flowers off and they rebloomed within about three weeks. That's pretty impressive, folks. Two to three sets of blossoms in the year. And last but not least, monarda or bee balm. This is another troubled plant. Powdery mildew, all that. But there are new dwarf varieties that hold up well. They have good flower. You just, same thing like the flocks, give them their space. Put them out there on an island by themselves. There's nothing better to me than lovely hummingbirds buzzing around your yard because you have monarda out there. So to wrap up the show today, these are just a short list that I would put in every garden. 20% of our varieties make up 80% of our sales, if you think about that. That's right, 20% of our varieties make up 80% of our sales. And the reason B is these varieties hold up the best in our soils, they hold up the best in our environment, and they do absolutely wonderful year in and year out. Now, the fringe things, they make us different. They make us interesting. We just don't sell a lot of numbers. Okay? And that's the way life is, if you think about it. But the fact of the matter is, let's face it, get out there and enjoy the new year. I hope 2013 was as successful as it was for us at Esther Brooks. We had a wonderful year. I want to thank everybody who came out for Christmas. We had a great Christmas season. And continuing to support us not only my family but also my staff they really do appreciate it and I want to say thank you happy new year I hope you enjoyed all of your holidays I look forward to seeing you in 2014 we'll be opening up in March April in Scarborough and Kennebunk so get out there and enjoy your garden and keep looking for those little bright spots out there this winter All right. Have a great day.